What a joy to serve a, a God who is faithful and who never changes. Uh, this, this service has been a joy for me this morning. I hope it's been a, a joy for you as well. Uh, the opportunity to give honor to whom honor is due, while, while also glorifying the God who made that faithfulness uh, possible. The first portion of the service has been long, and we have a wonderful lunch awaiting us over there, so I promise I will not go longer than the time I was given. I also will not tell you how long that was. So turn to Colossians chapter 1 with me. It was 1927, and Arthur Gossip's wife had just tragically died. Pastor Gossip was just 54 year, years old and pastoring in a Scottish church, and both he and the church were, were grieving from the loss. The next Sunday morning, Pastor Gossip ascended the stairs to the pulpit, and he delivered his, his most famous sermon. It was entitled, But When Life Tumbles In, What Then? During his message, he, he reflected on his personal pain, but he also reflected on the hope that he had in Christ. And like any good pastor, he, he warned of rooting your faith in anything other than Christ. And these are his words. So many people's religion is a fair weather affair. A little rain, and it runs and crumbles. A touch of strain, and it snaps. Pastor Gossip identified an incredibly common problem in the lives of many Christians. In the midst of intense suffering, you can focus on your suffering and totally forget the cause of Christ. And this is why he noted that so many in their faith, as they root it in something that isn't secure, when the troubles come, it crumbles. Without faith and joy that is rooted in Christ... You can't stand up to the troubles of this life, let alone rejoice in them. However, our text this morning, which is Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 24, going down just a little bit into chapter 2, it teaches this. When you link your joy to advancing the cause of Christ, you can rejoice even during suffering. Or in other words, when your greatest joy is advancing what Christ wants, the cause of Christ, not even suffering can steal your joy because your joy is so bound up in what Christ has for you. It's a tool in the master's hands. So in this text, Scripture teaches that faithful servants are able to rejoice as they advance the cause of Christ, first by, by making him known, but also by seeing believers grow in him. That is the cause of Christ, making him known, presenting believers before him. So in our text, Paul talks about his suffering as he presses toward that goal. But because his joy is linked to that goal, even the most intense suffering can't steal his joy. So look with me at the end of chapter 1, and we'll, we'll note this. Because advancing the cause of Christ brings joy, and it does. Because advancing the cause of Christ brings joy, faithful servants rejoice in making Christ known. Paul rejoices during his suffering. Look at verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. He rejoices during his suffering, not because of his suffering. Because he knows that advancing the cause of Christ by suffering, by proclaiming the gospel 
and preparing others for the cause of Christ, he is doing what he was called to do. And so he's willing to suffer for the gospel. Then he goes on to say that he fills up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Now let me be abundantly clear here. Paul is not saying that there is something lacking in the power or in the sufficiency of Christ's suffering for you. Christ's suffering was totally sufficient to satisfy the Father's wrath. Paul is by no means saying that Christ did not suffer enough. What is lacking in Christ's sufferings is that believers cannot see with their own two eyes what it looks like to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul, because of his commitment to advancing the cause of Christ and preaching the gospel, making Christ known, he puts his entire life on display and he suffered so that others could see the incredible value of the gospel. Even just the slightest glimpse of what Christ suffered for them. Philippians chapter 2 has a very similar word order that we see here in Colossians 1.24. Paul is thanking in that book, he's thanking the church for sending Epaphroditus uh, to bring a gift to Paul. And Paul says that Epaphroditus completed what was lacking in the gift of the Philippians. It's not that the gift wasn't enough. Nothing was lacking in the amount. What was lacking is that Paul couldn't see the Philippians face to face. And so similarly, Paul says that since Christ is not physically present, he can rejoice even through suffering because he is offering this visible testimony of Christ's suffering for the church. And so as Paul suffers for the gospel, he identifies with Christ. That suffering becomes a huge part of his testimony and it advances the gospel effort both in the church and also in the world. And this is why Paul and and any faithful servant can rejoice when they suffer. It gives this visible testimony of Christ's work for the church. But notice secondly, not only can they rejoice during suffering, they proclaim the gospel. Verses 25 to 27. This gospel of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice, Paul's calling came straight from God. Uh, He became a minister according to the commission that he had from God. He was compelled by God himself to make God's word fully known. The the seeds of the gospel, he talks about this, they're, they're scattered all throughout the Old Testament. And now because Christ has come in the flesh, these seeds have borne fruit so that the gospel can be fully known. So with the gospel message in hand, with the calling of God on his heart, Paul, like any faithful servant, submits to the master and carries the message. Paul makes his his entire life existence about advancing the gospel. It was God's will to reveal truth of the gospel to all different people groups. And and though these, these people groups were once pagan through the gospel, Gentiles are now alive in Christ. Because of Christ, they have hope that extends all the way to final glory, which extends forever. That's the gospel that faithful ministers proclaim. 
but also they go further. They don't just proclaim it once, they prepare others by proclaiming it. They prepare others through the gospel. Look at verse 28. Him, that's Jesus, Jesus we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. What is the content of the message of a faithful minister? Well, Paul says, him, we preach. It's, it's Christ. Christ is the totality of the message. They rejoice in proclaiming Christ because it's the only way to see believers grow. So Paul, as well as all these other faithful ministers throughout the ages, they want to bring others with them into the kingdom. They want to stand behind them as they stand before Christ And these ministers want to hear Christ say, well done. Not just to themselves, but the others who sat under their teaching. This past week at the teen retreat on Drummond Island, uh, Pastor Stilley was sharing his heart with the teens during one of our sessions. And he talked about how it frequently crosses his mind that in the future judgment, he will give an account for those who've sat under his ministry for these 22 years and in the years to come. And gospel ministers, they they work tirelessly to present these believers complete before Christ. They long to hear Christ say, not just to themselves, but to those who, who sat under the preaching of the word, to hear Christ say, well done. Paul worked tirelessly to accomplish this too. He had moments of intense suffering, moments of unimaginable grief, moments of extreme weakness. But all of Paul's shortcomings and sufferings, they all exalted Christ's grace in his ministry. It spurred him on to push others to grow in Christ. There was an open-air evangelism meeting in in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, That's in Canada. Back in the 70s, uh, and many different speakers were, were slated to, to preach that week. Uh, Billy Graham, the, the most famous evangelist of the time, he was scheduled to speak on the second night. And Leighton Ford, uh, one of Billy Graham's friends and a, a much lesser known evangelist, was preaching the opening service. And, and during that opening service, as Dr. Ford was preaching, Billy Graham was wearing a hat and sunglasses, and he came a little bit late sat in the grass in the very back, and he noticed a man listening very intently to Dr. Ford. During the invitation, he noticed the man was a bit restless, and Graham tapped the man on the shoulder and asked if he would like to accept Christ. The man who had been listening very attentively, he said, I think I'll just wait until the big guns come tomorrow night. And unfortunately, that mindset permeates much of Christianity. That it's the mindset that evangelism, this, this preaching the gospel, making Christ known, evangelism is for, for the big guns. It's not for the little shots. It's, it's a mindset, though, that's totally wrong. This is the harsh reality. You cannot rejoice in making Christ known unless you're actually making Christ known. This means linking your joy to the cause of Christ demands that you participate in evangelism. When was the last time that you 
you talk to a stranger or someone that you know is not a Christian about the difference that Christ has made in your life. Because if your greatest joy truly is to advance the cause of Christ, then it shouldn't be that long ago. But I fear that, that many practice faith very privately. And even when they practice it publicly, it's on Sundays away from the, the prying eyes of the community. So this is my challenge to you. I know most of us, I don't think even myself, are called to, to gospel proclamation on the large-scale platform of public ministry to the tune of thousands of souls per year. But every single one of us is called to gospel proclamation on the scale of at least one person at a time. So this is my question. Who is your one that you desire to see come to Christ? Are you going to take joy, great joy, exceeding joy in advancing Christ's cause by finding just, just one person this year to repeatedly invest in, share your faith with? It truly is as easy as asking them if they want to do a Bible study. This is what we're going to see when the exchange ministry comes. Because if you don't feel prepared to do that now, I hope you will come, and then you will feel prepared to do that. But you can only rejoice in making Christ known if you're actively doing it. So find a soul that you can pour gospel truth into. So faithful gospel ministers, they, they, they place advancing Christ's cause at the very heartbeat of their ministry First, by making Christ known, but then secondly, they, they do this by seeking to see other believers stand complete before Christ. Paul gave us just a glimpse of this in chapter 1. As we go into the beginning of chapter 2, he's going to elaborate on this. Because advancing the cause of Christ brings joy, faithful servants, they rejoice in seeing believers stand complete before Christ, even if that means they have to suffer. So, so just how does this gospel proclamation bring about transformation in the lives of believers so that they can stand complete before Christ? Look in verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. It starts by bringing a unity, and only a faith in Christ can bring unity. Colossians 2 verse 1. I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged, how? By being knit together in love. So Paul says he, he's struggling. He, he's laboring for these believers in Colossae and in Laodicea. This is a, a neighboring town. He wants to see them. And all other believers, he wants to see them unified. Why is he laboring so hard and so desperately to see this come about? even though he's never met these people. It's because through the gospel, through faith in Christ, there can be a glorious unity. And through Christ, Paul is unified with these believers. He, he can love them, and he wants them to be unified with one another as well. And that unity that is provided through Christ, it brings incredible encouragement, a deep-knit love that, that's irreplaceable by any other bond in life. And so part of the completion of the believer is to be unified with other believers, actively loving them, partnering with them to advance the cause of Christ together. And only faith in a supreme creator, Jesus, only that kind of faith can bring about that irreplaceable unity. But notice as well, only faith in Christ 
brings rich wisdom. Pick it up here in the middle of verse 2. Being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So not only does faith in Christ bring this, this deep unity, it also brings a rich wisdom. Paul desires to see these believers knit together in love and experiencing the wealth of wisdom that there is to find in Christ. You have, you have everything in Christ that you need to live a life that is pleasing to God. This nature of God, it was a mystery, but as Christ took on flesh and came to earth, he perfectly revealed the Father. And because of him, believers can have a full understanding of how to live a life that pleases God. Christ brought remarkable wisdom. This is why Scripture classifies this wisdom as a treasure. There are very few things in Scripture that it identifies as a treasure. But the wisdom that we have in Christ is one of them. That you can live a life that becomes more like Christ to bring glory to God. And faithful servants, they rejoice in seeing believers grow in that way. Grow in completion through unity and in wisdom. And then lastly, only faith in Christ surpasses logic. Look at verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. The way faithful ministers advance the cause of Christ is by bringing other believers to a greater degree of completion. They do this by by teaching that faith in Christ surpasses all man-made, logic-based religions. Paul declares his his zeal for the gospel very passionately in verse 4. I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive words. So that no one will dissuade you from following Christ. False teachers, they are persuasive. But Paul boldly defends the flock here in Colossians. A flock that he's never actually met face to face. Because he wants to ensure that they continue to follow Christ. Christ is the one who began the work in the Colossian believers, and no other entity can bring them to completion. If they died with Christ, then going back to the world is a tragic failure. So Paul and any other faithful minister advances the cause of Christ by protecting the flock from false teaching that is centered merely on logic. Because people in the church can be very good about bringing disunity and spreading false teaching that destroys a church. And the horrible thing about logic-based religion, these people who seek to spread disunity and, and draw people away from Christ, is that because it's logical, sometimes it actually works very well. Yet Paul and, and all those in this line of ministers after him are to faithfully protect the flock, advance the cause of Christ by seeing that everyone will follow Christ to the very end. And so this goal of advancing Christ's cause, it's worth suffering for. If your joy is so rooted in advancing the cause of Christ that even during moments of intense suffering, you can be able 
to rejoice in that calling. It was the 100th anniversary of the arrival of missionaries in Zaire. It was once part of uh, the Congo. And, And toward the end of the celebrations, an elderly man stood and he delivered a speech. He began explaining that when the missionaries came to Zaire, he was very young. His people did not know whether or not to believe the message of the Christian missionaries, so they began to poison them to get rid of them. And as the missionaries began to die, one after another after another, an adult and then a child and then another, the native people saw these missionaries live out and die for their faith. The elderly man explained through tears, although the missionaries did not know why they were dying, their rejoicing in advancing the cause of Christ and their faithfulness to that cause, even during incredible suffering, it convinced the people of Zaire that the message was true. So how is your joy doing this morning? Is it crumbling during intense suffering Or is it going steady even though it's linked to circumstances that can go topsy-turvy in in just a second? Is your greatest desire for your life to advance the cause of Christ? If your joy is linked to anything else outside of Christ, then your joy is far more fragile than God designed it to be. Root your joy in God's purposes, seek those purposes, and live a life of rejoicing as you faithfully serve the master. Would you stand with me as we pray? We'll sing a song, and then pastor has a few words. Lord, we are grateful this morning for your faithfulness to us. You have been so good to us and how you provided a faithful minister and a family with him to serve this church. And Lord, that's a testimony of your grace to us. We're so thankful for that. Would you help us not to root our joy in people or in circumstances, not to root our faithfulness to people or to circumstances, but to root it in Christ? Lord, we seek to honor you with all that we have. So would you help us to advance the cause of Christ, to share the gospel so that we can rejoice during any circumstance. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.